0: Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. As the title suggests, I plan to talk about all aspects of alpine skiing, from the mundane to the metaphysical. I will, of course, be doing interviews with personalities I've come to know over a four-decade career, but I'll also share with you, one-on-one, as it were, my insights as to how everything works, your skis, your boots, your bindings, the market that sells this stuff, boot fitting, ski tuning, product development, skier safety issues, even the rental market. I know it all because I've done it all. I can't wait to share it with you in this intimate setting. Ah, there you are, Gregory.
1: Yes, I'm sorry about these intrusions, but they're trying to sell me healthcare care on an automated system.
0: As if you don't have enough health care already. Look at all the health care you've got.
1: I have got a pretty good program right now. I won't go into it. The-
0: we won't, go, we won't go into those sort of details. It's not that type of podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This we're up to about chapter three in the Chronicles of Stumpy here. Um, and uh, the last time uh, my subject here, the wonderful Greg Stump, the cineast who brought us the Legend of the Legend of Oz, as well as the Blizzard of Oz and other titles, was droning on and on about some accomplishment of his or other to the point of my my ennui. So I've decided that we should change the subject. Uh, let's talk about, instead about you, let's talk about us, because um, I recall when, in fact, we first met. I have two vivid recollections that sort of bracket our first meeting. One is a, a morning breakfast after an absolute wonderful evening before that I had totally misbehaved, resulting in a brutal hangover, and I wasn't requesting Service at our breakfast table, which we shared. I was yelling for it. I, I, I was the typical guy you don't want to be with. <laughs> no, he was the ugly, ugly American. I was, America. the, I was the ugly American on Fountain Island. Howling for service in this fancy French uh, restaurant. We, why were we having breakfast? That was because what we do in the morning. Um, <laughs> I
1: know, but what? It was, uh,
0: it was, we the night before had been the fundraiser. The night before had been the actual, mm. you know, raise the money for the U.S. ski team. Right. We must have
1: had conversation. We that. had,
0: we might have conversed at that particular point. So meet in time, me, meet me but for the, breakfast. But no, the first time me. I remember seeing you standing was actually on a tennis court. <laughs> and um,
1: All five foot five of me?
0: Yes. And, and I watched is, you.
1: Dear, dear listeners, this is pre Michael Chang days, right? So. There were no short tennis players. He had
0: no role models is what he said. I had no say. role models. So <laughs> I'm sitting there way. watching stump <laughs> with this sort of preposterous toss, wind up and and you know swing swing for the fences and uh, I I delivered the immortal line. Who taught you how to serve, your mother?
1: No, and this is out loud. We're playing doubles. All right. So I'm playing with a friend of mine who can, uh, who's traveling with me d- doing this tour because we were showing Maltese Flamingo at this U S ski team fundraiser and Jackson uh, freshly not working at Solomon anymore, had absolutely zero guardrails on his behavior. <laughs> right. I mean, so he's still, so in other words, he's still hung over. Now he's playing tennis, but Okay, Jackson, how tall are you?
0: I'm just shy of six-foot stars. I'm 5'11 and, ch- and change. Okay,
1: so he's tall enough, taller than me, right? And, you know, obviously, good athlete. And, you know, who taught me to sh- serve? Who taught you to serve? Your mother? Because <laughs> I had a terrible serve. Because unlike Jackson, I didn't go to private fucking prep school, Andover, where he probably, was, he probably had Ely stasi <laughs> A, you know yes several
0: private coaches and, and trainers yeah, and i
1: bet you did heavily if, 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 if that Ely left a mark
0: on you let me tell you uh, that was funny funny stuff i think it was the same day or was the next day that tom wheeler who was then a sort of a marketing rep whatever that means for uh, solomon came to me and said we need you we need you and i'm dressed for tennis i'm wearing tennis garb so we need you uh, to race ken reed and i said what do you, <laughs> i said you can't possibly need me to race yeah. ken reed no, if, so, if you
1: don't know who ken reed is one of the crazy canucks right in, in world cup downhill, won a bunch
0: oh yeah he was at least a five-time world cup downhill winner and won Kitzbühel, which is <clears throat> not, no, for not for children one. Um, <laughs> and he ushers me over i'm still wearing tennis shorts and tennis shorts in those days by the way didn't leave a lot to the imagination. You know, they were <laughs> We wrote we them oh, hot. That's, that's why I
1: played. That's why I played. I, that's the reason I took up the sport.
0: <laughs> so there I am. And I said, well, I have no equipment. And so he he says, no, we have a rental shop. <laughs> we're going to race Ken Reed. Ken Reed's up there in full regalia, right? He's probably got a Canadian ski team outfit on. I'm in my tennis shorts. I've been given the SX-31 Solomon, rental boot, which is as low in the product pyramid as you can go, the only thing retaining this gear in the boot is the power of prayer. There is nothing else going on, and of course, I coveted rental ski,
1: so as an atheist, this must have been especially challenging.
0: Yes, I was facing my imminent demise, <laughs> I'm correct. The snow surface was. Room service yeah. dear,
1: dear God, I know this is the first time I've called you. The
0: catering department basically filled up dump trucks and dumped them down the ramps of the parking garage of, above the Meridian, oh, yeah. and that was our race course. I put on a good show. I beat all the uh, all the chum <laughs> that was hired to try to take me out, uh, and then I faced Ken Reed in the finals of this USG team, you know, what, you equipment just equipment against race equipment. Was
1: it a straight course?
0: Well, there wasn't a lot of room... <laughs> That's not a lot of room to negotiate in the garage ramp areas. So we had to have two side by side courses, so no, we didn't have a lot of turn radius right. involved.
1: Okay, but, but, so you just mercifully there's no
0: or you just threw yourself down the hill. I mean, what the hell? What is racing anyway? Right. You throw yourself down the, Wait, hill. So, uh, uh, the pile of ice cubes. Pile of ice cubes. I hurled myself in an attempt to kind of catch read at the finish line, but to no avail. But to popular great popular appeal, and that was an insane event. I mean, I didn't even get a cigarette lighter or something like that for my for my efforts <laughs> it was, uh,
1: you know you, you you have it in your memory and i'm sure we can call ken and he probably oh,
0: I'm, I'm sure it is emblazoned on ken's <laughs> ken's memory actually i spent some other time with ken reedy actually we've had a wonderful uh, dinner in geneva at the end of the solomon ski intro and we've skied together in several different venues so actually this was not the only occasion like yeah he, he's, he's a good egg it's a very good know, egg yeah, yeah.
1: I didn't. I know him well, but I, I I saw him four or five times at Whistler, and we always had interesting conversations. And he just had that class act. Oh yeah, and he. I mean, he also <laughs> had athlete. like
0: Richard Gere good looks, and he had a very personable manner. There was no hauteur about um, him at all. It no, was very very much a fellow skier type of thing. And anyway, great great guy. Plus, he, well, plus he knew I was
1: better than him, so there was no. The,
0: point. the next time we got to spend, I mean, the only time we really got to spend a lot of time together. During what we might call a large period of time, decades or more, was when I had just been told to find other employment by Head. And on the way out, they said, oh, by the way, finish this movie. We've had these Canadians shoot this footage and really don't know what the heck to do with it. And we've contracted with this guy, Greg Stump, to put it all together. So we want you to sort of represent Head's interest in the editing of this movie well of course there was nothing but raw footage there was no story there was no nothing except incoherent i I
1: actually didn't know that part and i wrestled the job away from this guy in whistler who was just gonna fuck it up even more it was not
0: shot from a script (laughs) it was shot which by the way listeners is the way a lot of ski movies are done i've done a few ski movies not just with greg and it's like a recipe made in reverse well and we weren't allowed to use a lot of the footage that your guy oh shot. exactly because it was sacred i won't go into all the sacredness of it because i right yeah so profane, the, exactly. but it was sacred but i was sent for so I, inher- I
1: inherited a vi- i inherited by my own will because i was going to make a bunch of money and i'm selling my soul i'm going to fix this thing because it can be fixed answer jackson hogan <laughs>
0: I, I get you know I so I fly to Hawaii to to get on a get on a cab and go to Kihei or whatever.
1: No, I picked you up, at the, pick airport. Me up at the airport. Okay. That's when you were in the foul mood about the New York Times crossword. Oh, puzzle.
0: yes. I, 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 I'm, you know. I was going to tell that story. Yeah, well, you have just you're moving right along. To our no, he said
1: victory. you want to talk about us. So I picked Jackson up at the airport, pissed off about the New York Times crossword puzzle. I, I won't tell the whole punchline or anything, but he's just pissed off. He's pissed off because he does this in his sleep. And so now he arrives in Hawaii in a bad mood because he's missing, you know, 19 down. <laughs> And I'm like, fucking! What's the problem, dude? I, I, really? What, what? And he goes, yeah, uh, presidential proclamation. And I, look, I go, ich nein, ein Berliner. And Jackson looked at me like I didn't know if you were gonna punch me.
0: <laughs> at that time, my childhood probably flashed no. before me. I was, I was probably feeling all sorts of different things.
1: Well, I, well, I didn't, I didn't push the issue. We, we got in the car. I just picked up a swamp cooler air conditioner.
0: Uh, by the way, a cooler uh, air conditioner w- w- whose dimensions exceeded Greg's own by a factor of at least two.
1: Yeah, not anymore. I've, I've filled out. <laughs> please continue, please. Ja- so I've got this air conditioner in the back of my 1980 Mazda station wagon, which was my Hawaii car, my Hawaii <laughs> car. But it was it was like this beat up old, you know, it was a windsurf car and surf car. But anyway, get Jackson, get over to the condo. Now, I have this condo that I bought in, like, 1985 because I was a windsurfer at this really nice condo complex of just windy as hell there, which is why I bought there. And Jackson uh, had to stay there, and that's where my studio was up three flights of stairs, outdoor stairs, concrete, and we get to uh, the place, and I guess I'm, I'm probably dragging Well, he's wrestling
0: up. with it. hes It's not easy to manipulate this thing under any circumstances. The staircase doesn't help by, no, they're by having too. these landings in between that make cornering rather difficult with this thing. And Stumpy is yeah, sweating like just- Patrick Ewing at the foul line. I mean, it is just pouring off him in rivulets, <laughs> as the great Harvey Korman said. I'm the,
1: little, I'm the little reindeer, the dog with the reindeer thing stuck to his head in <laughs> the branch.
0: That's what I was.
1: And sweating. But, you know, and Jackson's got all his luggage. So we're just
0: hauling this stuff you know, up. He's, so he just looks at me. He's, fr- he's, it's a lot more professional than it looks. As the, as the swamp cooler well, tries to take him I, back down I, a flight of stairs or so. No,
1: because I had, I had a really uh, cool functioning studio that was actually really cool. But it had air conditioning was illegal. At Luana Kai, you don't need the air conditioning if you leave your windows open but keep this thing airtight because it was so windy the dust would come through and just fuck up your computers and machines anyway so I really needed an air conditioner and the swamp cooler was the only solution we, I knew right where it was going to get everything was all set up for it but I picked it up right before I picked up Jackson at the airport so a he can't finish the air <laughs> times cross across the tunnel. B we get to we get to the Luana Kai, and I'm humping that thing up there and I but then the end result was Really,
0: the story doesn't not. quite end there, ladies and gentlemen. I was asked then to record my narration. I, we ended up splitting the narration duties, as I was ushered into this hobbit-sized bathroom in which it was almost impossible to turn around. Before you added the six-inch-thick layers of, of waffle foam that don't quite adhere to any surface, I'm not sure they could have given the humidity involved.
1: There was a ma- there
0: was a mattress in there standing up on it too. <laughs> Keep the sound dampening out. So I'm sitting there trying no, to record, seriously. trying to keep the walls of foam from closing in too much upon me. Yes. No, no, yes. no.
1: You know. It, no. Was, no. it okay, was fine. No, they weren't. It was it was a very working condition. Sound efficient. Right, primitive,
0: but the sound. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> and that's all that matters, ladies and gentlemen. It was You're a mere narrator. A beer narrator. Shut up. Narrate. Oh, and by the way, write that's some more of it too. Right. I didn't like the raw stuff you wrote. That was no good at all. So go write some more. And this was definitely no, scripted on the run. And then
1: the the microphone I was using a Tram lavalier, which Danny tech head will know as the best lavalier microphone brand. So I had a Tram microphone mounted behind a clothes hanger that was shaped out, and then ladies' panties. Okay, and that was the Sullivan's buster that I had over this Tram microphone. It sounds nutty but it worked it sounded great and not just ladies panties ladies nylons so the air could go through them it was a functioning sullivan's buster i got it from macgyver
0: as you can see ladies and gentlemen everything was top rate top top rate well yeah, the, the sound was, was and that, sound. that's all that matters you should if that, you that, ever by the way Before look for it, the young you know budding cineast your your collection is not complete at last you have a copy of what became called Hotel Bella Coola. By the way, I contributed beforehand only in getting the athletes up there. I think I engaged Darian Boyle and... Oh, Look at you trying to distance Well, I had, been distanced. I had been distanced by being fired, which was a, a very effective distancing tool. I felt much more distant after that. They continued to pay me rather nicely for a while, but it was all sort of like having a fatal disease. You knew, you knew it was going to end. You knew the ending wasn't going to be good. What other sort of escapades? Oh, yes, we had to to shoot some footage at the clockworks for *Legend of Oz*.
1: Well, but before you, but while we're still on Maui,
0: do you want to talk about the golf? No, course? but I know you did. So <laughs> no, I'll just set it up for you. Stubby is noticeably anxious because I'm uh, I'm there for only like five or most six days or something like that, and he's rather expected to do a finished product, and he's got to be somewhere near the finish line before I suddenly take off. And we're now at Friday, or maybe even at Saturday. The finish line is. Not anywhere in sight.
1: No, no. It's not even a mast yes, on the horizon.
0: Exactly. And he suggests some dawn patrol commencement of work. I pry my eyes open and look at him and I said, you know, gentlemen commonly take the day off on the weekend. <laughs> something to
1: that effect something no I know. he says what was uh typically people oh, that's right. typically. on the weekend people. and i'm just like do you have any idea how far <laughs> i didn't say this but i'm thinking i go okay okay no problem the client doesn't understand how much work <laughs> exactly I, have
0: I was living and <laughs> breathing it. empathy how Fine. else was I'm, i going I'm to get big. back to kihei on someone else's nickel to play golf um, unless we Simply declare golf day. Sure, and now
1: well, what, again, just like tennis. Now Jackson went to Yale. Probably was like you know I was probably were on, on the golf, golf team. I, they
0: started. had a beautiful golf course, but believe me, I couldn't have found a golf ball with either hand in those days. I was not, I'm not an no, adept. You got better, but I, <laughs> I know you're right. dying to you tell better. the story, so I'll I'll stand back.
1: Well, uh, it's in Wailuku, Maui, so it's the course on the ocean. Uh, but it's not a big touristy, of co- uh, course, because it's windy, and that's the North Shore, and but that's where the Hawaiians, and the Japanese, and white Whitey doesn't usually go there, right? But Jackson and I go there. It's not like eight thousand dollars for the day.
0: Yeah, yeah, the tariff was um, reasonable.
1: Felt like it, it was challenging to me because I don't play golf. I probably, at that point, had probably played thirty times in my life, again without instruction, unlike Yale boy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, boy. It was <clears throat> if you had ever if you ever watched my golf game, you would realize I was largely self taught as well. I'm afraid, but at any rate,
1: it was hot and humid. Uh, Jackson's wearing white golf pants. Probably so, tennis
0: shorts, knowing me. Uh,
1: and we already talked about how tennis shorts are revealing. Well, we're on the ocean. It's a little windy, and I would go with a dozen balls, and I was probably close to running out at that point. And Jackson shoots a drive or hits a drive. Well, I don't know what they call it in golf, but he 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 tees off. And hits a masterful shot. It's beautiful. But he shits himself at the same time during <laughs> the swing. In his white shorts. But yes. No, but okay case pants turn brown. An asshole. All right?
0: Much more scientific I don't know explanation. Much more, much more scientific yeah, dear dear explanation. listener
1: Does that qualify as a pants shitting? I'd <laughs> say yes. But unproven unproven
0: not- allegation. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: <laughs> but then then he then he turns around and says, did you see my shot? And I'm like, you're fucking kidding me. You just shit your pants? <laughs> no, I, I was trying to. But oh, we're distracted. playing with two
0: Japanese tourists who understood just enough English to probably just not know what to do. They've been much too polite to actually break out in laughter, but they were just, I think, horrified by the situation. Not the first nor the last to ever feel that way.
1: Well, it puts a whole new bent on mind if I play through.
0: Oh, yes, yes, by all means, as fast as humanly possible. Now, if I could just turn the tables for a moment, since we have so many colorful, legendary moments to revisit, I was working for Penoptics, which is a brand of sort of arcane sunglasses that was popular with Harley riders, because Harley riders don't wear visors and other helmets, because those are apparently for non-Harley riders, only... So they have to wear something over their eyes or they'll go blind. So they they adopted our brand. And it also had a ski application because they were sunglasses that had a goggle-like gasket inside them. So you could actually ski a sunglass at Mach-Schnell and your eyes wouldn't bleed. So we had a booth at the SIA show. In those days, the SIA show was still something of an important event. Everyone had to go. It's, it's certainly in its decline right now. And who knows what it'll survive like in the future. But... I'm I'm getting off track. So in so I'm
1: at the pen- well. It was it was the last it was the, it was the last one that was held in Las Vegas right.
0: in walks in walks Stumpy. <laughs> and he is in fine fettle. He is appropriately coiffed, dressed like the perfect gentleman, and he is accompanied by two of the let's say more seasoned hookers. They, but see, they were young, young, but still looked seasoned.
1: No, they and I had just <laughs> met them in in the hallway. So
0: he adopts them
1: i <laughs> know uh, i no. i i said them will you guys hang out with me for like three or four hours and they're like sure can you pay us And i'm like fuck yeah just pretend like we're just really good friends <laughs> <laughs> and i gave me like a hundred bucks they were like stoked like, what do we do like,
0: well let's go to the bar
1: and so i and they've they've been working all night like i meet them in the the hotel lobby, but they were, I see. To me, they were cute, Jackson. I I saw their
0: inner beauty. But My boss was horrified. Oh. He failed to see the humor in it, and of course, if you failed to see the humor in it, you you kind of failed it altogether. It had to be appreciated for its humorous aspects. And our yeah, our booth was, was not an rude. attractant anyway. People weren't stampeding to get our funky sunglasses. I'm sorry to say. So these skanky horrors really. Oh, they out. are. They it's certainly graphic. were an unusual spin on having you know like booth hostesses and whatnot what happened well
1: did more people show up or was everybody
0: well let's put it this way it didn't turn out to be what most people were looking for in an eyewear provider jeopardizing my career at that point was okay (laughs) sure why not (laughs) let's let's have let's have the hookers let's have them here let's have them hang out here for a while besides there was no point in trying to shoo them away, they only really insist on staying. So Vegas-based, you saw, and since we're talking about me, and I, like you, enjoy the topic immensely, you saw me work a stand-up routine in Las Vegas, right across from the convention center, one evening as the show wrapped up.
1: Yeah, my business partner at the time, Carl Labby. Glenn Plake wouldn't be in ski movies without Carl Labby. But that's another story, but he, he's also the one that noticed you. He goes, you got to see this guy. I'm like, what is he doing? I'm like, he's the Pope. I'm like, huh? And Carl was Catholic from northern Maine, Fort Kent. Nice. Yeah.
0: So, so, he, he, so he drags you off to see this guy, Hogan, who was, in fact, wearing a papal hat, a beautiful midget. Bejew- a
1: meter. A meter.
0: Yes. And a, and a white linen suit because I really didn't have robes. But I had Christy uh, Brown on one arm and Kim Reichelm on the other. These are gals are both about 5'11 and stunning. And story. great skiers and great Oh, skiers. God incredible skiers incredible and they escorted me to the stage and then i said thank you ladies i'll take it from here <laughs> and just had Hello, a ball hi. and hi. i hi. knew just like any presenter hi. you know within the first 30 seconds if you're going to be in charge of this group or is it going to be the other way around and it was a great audience so i warned for the task shall it we say packed.
1: carl made me get there early because it was it was packed and no, you just killed it. I mean, it was like, it was like a Steve Martin-type performance. Um, and I'm just like, I didn't know you'd done it before. I just was like, whoa, is this guy just riffing this? Because <clears throat> it was really funny.
0: <laughs> yes, it was unscripted, ladies and gentlemen. At that point,
1: so I knew it was you. Right,
0: so that's, yeah, so that established my uh, The yeah. meridian
1: from the insult at my test. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the time I saw you.
0: I think it is. So we play connected. That. Then we spent another long collaboration on another movie called Legend of Oz. You're one of the few people in the world who's really equipped to describe what went on before I showed up, why I showed up, and what little I may have contributed while I, while I was there in my role as uh, some form of executive producer for the for the film. Yes, yes.
1: Well, as you have in your bio... It was some kind of psychological support for Greg Starr. Yes, a therapy
0: of sorts. What what is
1: it exactly that you have in your bio? Oh, I'm a personal therapist, therapist. I say. Personal therapist. Personal therapist. Okay, dear listeners, if you're still listening. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why? I think that's absolutely true because that was a daunting project on so many levels because, again, being ultimately the one-man wrecking ball, it was more than one person could handle it. it was and and Bob Nunn's input, your input, Bob Nunn's. You guys are the, really the only two people I listened to.
0: But listening didn't necessarily propel you forward at a breakneck pace.
1: No. Cause, well, the thing was, it's such a challenging. I mean, I bit off more than I could chew by going into ski movie history, and that was I'm I'm covering like eighty topics at once. Not eighty, but.
0: No, you you did set a bold agenda. but the history of ski film wedded to the history of stump wedded to the arc of filmmaking. For some reason, my solution to what I perceived to be your sort of creative doldrums was to send you song lyrics, original song lyrics. I must say, <laughs> I didn't I didn't plagiarize anything.
1: I never read one of them. Well, I, read, like I read one of
0: them. Twenty-two like, you? of you never <laughs> read it's one of them.
1: <laughs> it's nuts! No, I thought this guy's nuts. But it did distract me.
0: I remember, remember but, shooting, remember shooting some other footage like, you of you wanna, me though. We were, it was me as the Pontiff, but it...
1: yes, and that was that was uh, later uh, during Legend of Oz. Um, but this was like the shoot-up, this circus I had going on. Um, in Victor, in Idaho, at that crazy
0: house. It was a hilarious scene, ladies and gentlemen. We were all summoned from different places. It was like an Agatha Christie story. There were people, people from all over God's I creation, so. all thrown together. We had fabulous lodging. I was put in a huge outdoor, well, I guess tents are inherently outdoor. I guess all buildings are outdoor, unless you're inside them. <laughs> I'm happy no, to it was saying, in man, the grotto. It's a gorgeous it
1: tent. It was in the grotto with the apple. Oh, the absolutely grotto. lovely. And the little statues and, and you had your own
0: pulpit. Yeah, and we had oh we have some well, yes, when we got to the filming, I had a pulpit and then I had a
1: hot tub. I had no I had a pulpit long before we filmed. Before. I had bought no, I bought no, I bought that pulpit like for
0: two years earlier.
1: Because I saw it at an estate sale and I was gone, oh, what is this? It's a pulpit. Like, will you deliver it? They're like, yes. <laughs> like, I'll take it. Yeah. Because that thing was cool. It was it's, real. It, it was a quality well. pulpit. It was it came out of church. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't fun. No, no.
0: I remember the first time I met Casey. She was in the back of a limo. We were off in Colorado trying to see if we could drum up some sort of distribution system for legends. I'm all, once again, my shorts are in a knot probably over the travel arrangements, which I'm, you know, I don't, I don't manage well. Stugby finally arrives, well, not finally, might have been right on time, but to me, I was in such a state. So I opened the back door of the limo, not expecting anything but the back end of a limo, and there is this stunning brunette with hair down to her navel, looking at me as coy as can be, and I'm just going, "What? What is this? <laughs> what is something? What have, <laughs> what have you done?" Well, you left, and you left
1: out Scott Schmidt.
0: Oh Scott was Schmidt, also I, because I don't, yeah, don't even oh, remember I, Scott I, Schmidt. Seeing Casey, Casey, was like being hit in the head with a hammer.
1: Oh yeah, and I don't, trust me, bring it down. I like that hammer.
0: Yeah, that hammer still. That hammer still co- uh, cohabitates with you. How, how many years have you been together now? How long ago mm, was that? 14, 15. 14,
1: 15. 14, 15. And that was before we were. we, we were just you know. We're just working together at that point. right? Exactly. Yeah, we pick you up in a limo, so you, Scott Schmidt, Casey. That was pretty funny. That was. <laughs> that
0: was. Well, I think feel, I'm feeling the end of an episode being upon us. That sort of sort of slight lull in the conversation. We have plenty more to talk about, but we should do that uh, when we when we whip up the next batch of the Chronicles of Stump.
1: Yes, indeed. I think it's a good time to go. Fare thee
0: well, listeners. Um, Thank you for your patience and your calm demeanor throughout. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Au revoir. This has been Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. Thanks for listening.